1: Well, good morning, hello, and welcome to Zero today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA. Here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. And of course, as always, we're promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, hoping to empower you, the listener, to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us with join us on this eliminating journey. So many ways, you know. Uh, wait, hold up. Let me pause real quick. Rewind. Happy New Year. This is the first show of 2013. I'm so excited. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Oh, oh well, that's how it is sometimes. But as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. And you can do so by calling the number 347-237-5230. Uh, we're on Twitter at Prophesy. We have Facebook page, uh, Pastor Neil Zero Network on Facebook. Hit us up on uh, email. Yeah. Pastor Lorenzo Neal at com. so many ways, I can't remember them all, but hey, we're here, we're on, we're live, so expect the unexpected, and as always, uh, be ready to have a good time listening, because we are all about sowing seeds of life and liberation, and so hey, join us, uh, we got a chat line that's open, so you can get in on the chat line, um, call us, um, do whatever you need to do to get in. We just like to hear you. We're glad you made us one of successful, a very successful show last year. We 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 not well. I'm not gonna say we, but for me, it was good. So we're glad. But before I get ahead of myself, we got a lot of stuff I want to talk about. Of course, we're gonna recognize, we're gonna um, honor Dr. King. We're going to talk about a few other things and um, I have a very special guest that will be joining with us later. uh, The person is Nicole J. Boone who is uh, with Goshen International and she'll be joining us and we'll be talking about missions and things of that nature. Uh, And what else we got? Who knows? My ADD is going to kick in so let me hurry up and get on with this show. Before we do anything, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and another chance to do this show in 2013. We pray your blessings upon the listeners and those who will join in in the dialogue and conversation. We honor you and glorify you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So let's move on with the show today. Today, you know what? I didn't know this until today. But today, January 16th, is religious freedom day here in the country and um uh this tradition goes back to honor the um uh, in 1786 uh on this day in 1786 the virginia legislature voted to observe religious freedom uh they passed the uh, uh statute of religious freedom that was drafted by of course by uh thomas jefferson and uh Pushed by James Madison, you know a lot of the founding fathers, the very same persons who were um, responsible for our Declaration of Independence, our uh, Constitution. These guys were formidable advocates of religious freedom, and so today, uh, in this now we observe January 16th as Re- Religious Freedom Day, and it's been going on for nearly two decades. Started under President Clinton and has continued through Bush, uh, 43, and Obama, 44. And today Obama has officially uh, issued his proclamation, and um, it reads this way, uh, well, I don't have all of it, but part of it, uh, as he issued his proclamation, he's calling on all Americans to commemorate this day with events and activities that teach us about the critical foundations of our nation's liberty and show us how we can protect it, uh, for future generations at home and around the world um, uh, and that's what he that's what he said so my question my question is uh as i as i uh look to this and I observe this Because you know I believe in religious freedom by all means, but my question is what does it look like in America today right now in twenty thirteen what does uh religious freedom look like in um this post war Uh, America, and if you let me tell it, this is just me, if you let me tell it, uh, I believe it's more of a quasi-religious freedom, I don't think uh, it's a full religious freedom, it's a quasi-religious freedom with strong undercurrents of uh, extremism, and and extremism on both sides, you got the extreme right-wing evangelical Christians who are, you know, they're just opposed to anything, (laughs) anything that is not like them, they're just anti- everything, you know. <laughs> some of it is good, and they just go to the extreme, and, you know, it hurts me when they bring Jesus into that, but, you know, hey, can't fault them for it. And then you have on the other side, you have, uh, you know, the more liberal-leaning, far-left uh, tree-huggers, as <laughs> some would call them. And I, you know, I'm sorry if that is offended, you know, that I'm just, I'm, I'm making light of it. So, please uh forgive <laughs> but you know you you have those you have those more liberal leaning uh persons who embrace just about anything and what is is becoming more common you have these uh non-religious persons and and uh you know they they they're cloaking it in terms of I'm not religious I don't believe in institutional religion organized religion I'm spiritual uh uh or you know, I, I believe in something and a higher power and you know, all that. Uh that's always interesting. Matter of fact, uh there's a study that was just conducted in England, um um that that has discovered that there are more non religious persons in England than there were thirty years ago and it's also it's also serving as an impetus Against the Church of England, and that's probably why the Church of England is fighting to be, uh, to be a little bit more inclusive and with this with this uh policies. And you know, they're even considering uh, here in America, the Anglican Church or the Episcopal Church, which is uh the American branch of the Church of England, is is as liberal as you can get. You know, they're ordaining openly homosexual priests and uh openly homosexual bishops and even one of my favorite bishops who I uh I like reading his work uh but he's you know he's openly homosexual and he's gone on to the extreme of that uh of that end as far as uh, uh gender tolerance and things of that nature. So so the, you know while while I think we are living in a nation that celebrates religious diversity um what we're finding is is' really uh is is really undergirded by a high intolerance for uh religious preference and i say that um i i say that because When you're talking about religious preference and religious tolerance, you know, they sound the same, but they're really not the same thing because there are a lot of persons who, you know, there are people whose religion is, uh, is going, (laughs) going out camping in the woods, you know, or deer hunting or for those here in the South, especially in the SEC, (laughs) it's sports. (laughs) So, hey, you you know, but, but it is religious freedom day and i would encourage you my listeners to uh observe it in a way that is beneficial to humanity um non-threatening to other religions non-offensive to other religions uh and but i'm gonna be honest with you while i try not to offend people and i have a lot of first uh acquaintances and friends who are from other religions and I've been privileged to be able to, as a hospital chaplain and as a therapist uh, uh pastoral counselor be able to minister to those of other religious faiths and it's been a wonderful blessing to me the way God has has put uh similarities in the human spirit that undergird all of our religious expressions and um but as a believer in Christ you know one faith one baptism uh God through uh became flesh. Yeah, I c I can't uh I I I uh that's that's the way I go. But anyway, I digress. So today is uh Religious Freedom Day. So observe it the best you can and, but in observing it um do something that would help your better man. I mean you know help your fellow man and uh glorify God in the process. You wanna be able to do that. So Uh, that's what I hope you get a chance to do today in some form, some capacity. Um, Yeah, and and, and since it is – since we are leading up to – yesterday was the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King. As you see, I'm making a good segue. (laughs) I'm making a good segue. I'm trying to at least. Yesterday was the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King, and um, Monday we will be officially observing it through a day's service. and I and I do hope that those of you who are listening, I do hope that you don't just take that day and do nothing. You I, I didn't understand. I remember when they were when they were fighting to get the holiday back in the '80s. I re, I remember. Uh, that even after it was passed into law by President Reagan, we celebrated that it was a national holiday. Of course, and Stevie Wonder wrote the song "Happy Birthday." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't deny you sing it at everybody's birthday. I even had somebody sing it at church. Talking about "Happy Birthday, Jesus," singing it to that that tune, and you know, I, I'm crazy, y'all. I, I, just, I, I well, that's a different thing. So. When they signed, when President Reagan signed the, the law, signed uh, the MLK holiday into law, there was sharp division about how it was to be observed and who it was to be observed, uh, particularly when it came to schools. We in the South, they, for at least for about eight years, uh, not eight years, I'd say, let's see, well... For my entire education, from the mid '80s up until the '90s, we did not up until I think my senior junior year senior senior or junior year in high school, we did not observe the school district did not observe uh, Martin Luther King Day as a you know where they observed it as a federal holiday. You know the banks were closed and all major you know all federal outlets were closed. But schools didn't get out. We didn't get. We did not get out of school for that day. That Monday, we didn't get out of school. We were still in school, and we, you know, we spent day. We spent that day recognizing and observing. You know, every every kid had a part of the speech, some kind of speech. You know, by Dr. King. And because I was the preacher, I always in, in junior high and high school. I always got to say the speech, except for a couple of times uh, there were a few who who (laughs) outdid me, outshined me, but most times I got I was the one who would, you know I got to say the speech, I have a dream speech, I got to do that quite a bit but for the the majority of my uh, secondary academic career we did not uh, get out of school for Martin Luther King Day, and now kids get out of school and they don't they don't have the seem. To, they don't seem to uh recognize the value of that day because to them is another day of school. Now add it for example here in the South with these uh the, there's been some storms and rain and ice and so kids have been out of school uh at least a day and a half. Now you take that and, and then on Monday they're gonna get out of school again and in their mind is just another day of getting out of school. And I've been since I've been since I've been in pastoral ministry, I've been trying to empower my kids to treat that day, uh, the day that we observe Martin Luther King Day and uh other days, not just that day, but other days, particularly with um related to African American history to observe those days as acts of service and acts of worship and and it's been really it's really been interesting uh, last year uh, we took about 25 20 of our kids and we did a, a whole community work uh, project And we didn't have to go far to do it, and the kids enjoyed it, because when I said we were (laughs) – they didn't dress for it because they didn't know they were going to be doing manual labor. But they had a wonderful time serving the community. Uh, We we went to uh, one of the um, uh, soup kitchens, I guess you can call it – uh feeding places here, and some served there, a lot of us went over to uh one of the local head start centers and we served there and we ministered there a little song and and we cleaned up the uh the lot did some cleanup, and and it was wonderful and the kids understood now they understood that that day was meant to be a day of service, and I just did get out of school and Of course, I rewarded them for doing that. But, I think um, we need to emphasize that more to the kids and to the adults also, because those who are available for you you know again is another day off, and I guess I can understand that, but at the same time, it did not be that so but I said all of that because um there's there's this there's A lot of speeches Dr. King has done, and I I like promoting them. But there's one speech that stands out to me all the time, and I've played it before, and I'm going to play it again because I like it. And I think it's one of the most powerful speeches that he has said, beginning, regarding the identity of black Americans um, and our role and our our, our deliverance, our role in our liberation, our role in our reconstruction of our salvation and, you know, our ethnic identity. And uh, being that this is the 150th year of the, the Uh, Since the signing into law, the Emancipation Proclamation, I think this speech is more fitting now. It's also the 50th year since the March on Washington. Next week is going to be uh, as President Obama is uh, re-inaugurated. And again, you know, the significance of that is that, you know, Monday observes – Dr. Martin King's birthday, and then Tuesday you have the inauguration. And of course, they are trying to spend that, and um, he's he's going to be sworn in on, I believe, Abraham Lincoln's Bible or uh, something like that. I, I don't know. I have read that somewhere, but but I want to share this. I want to share this uh, speech that he get he gave, um, and if you search it on YouTube. It, Uh, It says something like the speech that uh, – the forgotten speech of Martin Luther King or something to that nature. You just look up Martin Luther King's speeches, and it'll come up. But um, it's a little over two minutes, so I want you to hear what he says here. And and you'll hear the power of the rhetoric that he presents in this speech regarding uh, how our identification, our identity matters. And uh, we'll come back after this speech. So, here's a take and listen to this. Uh, this is MLK, Darth Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, I group.
0: come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to the group last night nobody else can do this for us, no document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennisonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own Emancipation Proclamation. Let anybody take your manhood. Be proud of our heritage. Somebody said earlier tonight, we don't have anything to be ashamed of. Somebody told a lie one day. They couched it in language. I want to get the language so right that everybody here will cry out. Yes, I'm black. I'm proud of it. I'm black and beautiful.
1: All right, that was president. I mean, not president. (laughs) I wish he would have been president. That would have been cool, right? Uh, Donald Martin Luther King. Uh, and and I don't have the date for that speech or the uh, location or occasion for that that speech, but the overtones that he was presenting uh, at the time and even now I believe it's, it's even now more significant than, than then because Black Americans certainly at a, at an identity crisis and and I I could go on and on about that and I don't, I don't want to do that but I mean. If there's ever a time that we really need to have a, a solid identity and fortitude about ourselves and our people, it's right now because with the with all the things that's going on, um, it, we're we're losing we're we're losing sight of what we have, who we are, and all kinds of things. But again, that's a whole other show and uh, that's another show for another time. We're gonna take a quick break, and after we come back for the break, we will be. Um, We'll have with us our guest Nicole J. Boone And we'll be talking with her And she'll share with us uh, About her uh, Her ministry uh, In Africa And uh, how God has been blessing her uh, To do some things To bless people Across the world So we'll take a break after this And when we come back uh, That's who we'll we'll be joined by Be right back
2: From yesterday, part of it is the cut of today's suit—short jacket, narrow lapel, moderate fit—but part of it is the cut of the man himself. Because today, it's not so much the brand of suit that defines the man, as it is the brand of man who wears it. You're gonna like the way you look. I guarantee you. When mucus piles up in your chest, the congestion can get in the way of your day. Vacuum the bed, not the floor, with so few hours in a day, it's not easy keeping a place looking this trippy. You have the magic touch. Maximum Strength Mucinex breaks up the mucus that causes chest congestion, and only Mucinex is a bilayer tablet. One side goes to work fast, the other is long-lasting. Uh-oh. <coughs> what about my cagoolin? Mucinex is fast-acting and provides long-lasting 12-hour relief. 12 hours? Mucinex in. Mucus out. Dad, listen, we're going to go broke unless we figure out a way to divvy up oh, the shared Dad. data plan fairly. So, uh, whoever's fathered the most children gets the most data. Let's just do it by hair. Body hair?
3: Most dental work.
2: What? Mm-hmm. Stop downloading and stop liking everything. It should be by who has the least amount of cartilage in their left knee. Just want to take a bath. Say no to sharing. Say yes to Sprint. With truly unlimited data, text, and calling.
0: You're listening to Zera Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. It was the best day. It
2: was the best day. It was the best day. It was the best day. Because of you, We make a great day, great pair.
3: Progressive, and the great outdoors. We make a great pair.
2: Right. Totally. Uh,
0: That's what I was thinking.
3: All kinds of vehicles, all kinds of savings. Multi-policy discounts from Progressive. Call or click today. Here we go.
1: To zero today again i am your humble host pastor lorenzo neal and we are uh well it's, it's a wednesday it's cold here down in the south and yeah you know, i got adjusted that but hey i digress but um we're glad that you're here. Again, you're always welcome to join with us on this Illuminated Journey. Um, the phone lines are open if you want to make a call, 347-237-5230. That's the number you want to call to get your voice, ideas, insights, uh, opinions, whatever you have. Your $0.02, cents, $0.05 cents a dime worth in on the air. And also the chat room is open, so... Uh, if you want to log in to Blog Talk Radio, uh, you can log in to the chat room, and we're there, and we can have a discussion there. We are privileged to have with us a very special guest this, this morning, joining us all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, in the person of Ms. Nicole Boone. Are you there, Nicole?
3: I am. Yay! She's How here. are you? Yeah. I, I'm still awake. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Me
1: too. Uh, I, I, I have no complaints. I'm glad to be alive another, another day, so... Yeah,
2: that's
1: good. Yep, yeah, that's the way it is. Well, I'm glad that you chose to you are here joining us today, and you are the president of Goshen International. And yeah. uh, what I'd like for you to do if you don't if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about your, uh, yourself and Goshen International and what you all do um, here and abroad.
3: Sure. Well. Goshen International is a missionary organization, and what we do is we work in South Africa. We take motivated but pretty impoverished children, and we give them the academic, spiritual, and practical tools that they're going to need in order to be leaders in their own communities. We've been working in South Africa for about 12 years, the way we do some of those things is we started a, a learning program called the Curlin Learning Center. Um, we teach kids math, science, English, history, and biblical leadership. We do that every day. So we do that and we feed the kids. So we end up feeding them about different groups of them, three meals a day. Um, we also have recently adopted an after-school program in another village called Pelini Township, and we operate that after-school program four days a week where we have between 150 um, to 175 kids that come after school. We sing, we dance, we tell them Bible stories, and we give them a meal. Um, And then lastly, we work with a woman who has a small... um, Kind of a small foster care home where some of the kids are adopted in and some of the kids uh, come from just social welfare, doesn't know where they what to do with the kids, and so they bring them to her house. Her name is Mama Celia, so we've adopted her in our fold. So she takes in babies from about two weeks old all the way to kids who are seven or eight years old. So... We support her with what she needs in order to function. Um, She's had about 22 kids come through. Ultimately, we would love to have our own school uh, where we can serve more children. The need is great. Um, There are a lot of children who are orphaned by AIDS and other things, but mostly AIDS. South Africa right now has about, uh, well, as of 2010, we have about 3.84 million orphans in the country. So that's a lot. Wait, wait, wait. And the need is great.
1: H- hold on. Did you say 3.4 million
3: orphans? 4. Eight eight million orphans. 4 million orphans. hmm Wow. That's yeah, a lot. It's a lot. And South Africa is the country um, in the world that has most eight. So HIV and AIDS related, anything. Our people, uh, they need help. So I've been there for 12 years, working on the ground, in the dirt, believing God um, and instructing our kids to also believe God, trust him with their lives. Um, When we don't have food to feed them, we... We tell them to pray. We're not the providers. God's the great provider. So um, when when we're not sure how their school fees are going to get paid, because there isn't free education, we have to pay for all of those little pumpkins to go to school. So we ask them, we tell them, God is your source. Let's pray to the Lord who hears. So that's all a part of growing them up to be strong Christians and good people so that they can change their country.
1: All right, let, let let's put a point pin there. Um
3: okay.
1: and I I want you to tell a little bit more about yourself too. But we'll, oh. we'll, we'll get back to that <laughs> in a minute. So let's 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 put a pin there. Now you said two things that really stand out to me and I, I'm I'm sure probably my listeners are uh, really more interested in also. Well three. Well two. I'll just leave it at two. One being um that uh South Africa has the highest HIV AIDS rate in the world. Mm-hmm. And exactly. I know that South, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people don't realize how diverse South Africa is. It's not, you know, we, we tend here in the States to group all Africans together as if Africa is one country, one big
3: country. Yes. Yes.
1: And even with South South Africa, they group, you know, South Africans all together, lump them all together just as if they're part of one Even though it is one big country, but, you know, the territory, the area is quite diverse.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, Um, Go ahead. Yeah, South Africa is made up of essentially four main groups of people. Africans, and, well, they're called blacks in South Africa. They're from distinctive tribes, so when I talk about this, I would say, for instance, Shaka Zulu. He is South African, but he's Zulu. And then mm-hmm. there are Xhosa, and then there are Soto. So there are tribes, and those people have been traditionally called black people under the apartheid system. And those are some of the same, um, basically, distinctions that are made today. So under apartheid, Africans or black people sat at the very bottom of the totem pole. Above them were colored people. Everybody asked me, what is a colored person? How is that any different? Really, really different. So colored people are supposed to be blood. You had a white person who had children with a black person and they made a colored child. And then that continued on and colored people married other colored people so they have their own segment, colored And they sat above Africans in the um, breakdown. Then above them are uh, basically Asians and Indians. Indians from India, not American Indians. And then above them are white people. And white people are broken down into two segments, too. You have white Afrikaners. You have white English speakers. So South Africa, quite a wide range of folks. Now, white Africans make up about 10% of the South African population. Only Um, 10%. Only 10%. But for many years, they held 90% of the wealth. And even now, they hold a vast majority of the wealth in the country, own most of the land, um, own most of the production, and um, basically hold most of the income, and now there is a black government, and by black I mean black, so the president is currently Zulu, and that's challenging, um, because he has a third grade education, and um, he is very much a... a he is a political figure who has a lot of controversy and scandal that surrounds him. So not always seen as the best leader. I believe right now he has five wives. Um, and that's totally acceptable for black people to have multiple wives in South Africa. So, yeah, so we're also dealing with with that and talking to our students about what that is. So black people may be in charge of the government, but in a lot of ways you have an uneducated leadership that isn't sure what to do or does what's in their own self-interest when you have, and it leads to a lot of embezzling and it leads to a lot of corruption and it leads to all of the things that plague not just South Africa but the entire continent. You have all of these evils that, seem to filter in because as much as the people in South Africa and on the continent in general have a heart towards spiritual things, they're very spiritual people, they all need to be redeemed under the blood of Jesus Christ and those mindsets, those traditions those um, practices and habits that they have inherited need to be broken so that a spirit of righteousness, holiness, purity can come in. And actually, the country is open for that. I have, I'm allowed to speak in schools. I can go there and share the gospel freely. So it's not a closed country. It's just behind. Okay. Now is the time to bring them into Christ likeness.
1: Okay, I'm coming up for a hard break, and uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna uh When we come back from the break, we're gonna talk a little bit more about uh, the schooling of kids there and the mission opportunities, the opportunities for missions uh, for churches here in the states. Okay, so just okay. hold that thought and, and, and of course I want to also get into the issue as we discuss a little bit more about um, the HIV. AIDS and HIV epidemic There, are uh, talking a little bit more about sexual purity So uh, we're going to come back from uh, This break here And that's what we'll be talking about, alright? Okay Alright, we'll be right back
0: uh, yeah. one of those. This is for my I got the
2: I need you. I feel so alone.
3: But you're not alone. I knew you'd come. Like I could stay away?
2: You know I can't do this without you.
3: You'll never have to.
2: You're always there for me. I'll
3: get you a rental car.
2: Don't use an umbrella. Fall in love with Progressive Claim Service. Right Nobody's taken a shine to me in a long time. Booey. Really, I don't need anybody but you. Swiffer attracts dirt. Used mops can push muddy water around. Swiffer Wetchet's new upgraded solution helps prevent streaks and residue to reveal more shine than a mop or your money back. You're Swiffer Snapper. Good morning, Freedom. Hello, adventure. Today is yours. To find your can-do spirit, your will-do strength, to chart new paths and rediscover old ones. Capability has found its versatility, making all days and all terrains equal. Go ahead, raise your hands, lower your foot, make pursuit of the unexpected, unrelenting. Today is yours to go find your power, and where you'll find it is within
1: joined today by our guest Nicole Boone. Now Nicole before we get uh we we left off talking about uh the culture and the and the um the groups and the diversity of South Africa but uh I, I wanted to get my audience to know a little bit about you first and uh tell us a little bit about yourself and then we're gonna get back into the uh the subjects that we said we'll talk about uh before the break. So tell us a little bit about you. I I mean a lot of people they hear the name Boone and some may recognize, some may not, so tell us.
3: All right. Well, um, my name is Nicole Boone, and my father has been a minister of the gospel most of my life. So I've had an opportunity to be raised in a Christian home. He has been a promise keeper speaker, and uh, some people may have heard of him through those venues, he speaks. He's on CBN a lot, and he's been on CBN, and he's been just about every kind of where. So he's out there. Um, great man, but to me, he's just he's just dad. So um, I went graduated from the University of Virginia with a master's degree in education. Um, worked in a school for a while, Um, then I worked um, here in Atlanta for one of the ministries under my dad, then I moved to South Africa, where I've been for 12 years. Um, When I saw the need there, I was so moved and touched by that, and I've always been a person who's had a heart for ministry, and I've always been a person who starts something from the ground, so the Lord was really preparing me uh, for this journey and this adventure that I've been on in South Africa, so I've also had an opportunity to speak in front of large audiences and um, not just about South Africa, but about women's issues and to young people about living a godly life as a youth and what that's like, and just having an opportunity to really live my Christian life and live my walk for God in the public sector and to be able to share my passion and love for Jesus and people has been has just been great been to about so many countries and been able to witness and share Jesus there and from Germany to many African countries to some countries in the like Caribbean and South America so I've had an awesome and blessed life, and most recently had an opportunity to serve at CareNet, which is an organization that reaches out to women who find themselves in crisis and tries to give them the tools that they need in order to make healthy decisions about what to do.
1: And, um, and I'm glad that you mentioned CareNet, uh, uh, CareNet Ambassador, and I appreciate that uh, that organization. And of course, uh, my good friend Dean Nelson, uh, who is uh, with that organization. And, and matter of fact, I, I believe that's
3: that's where I met
1: you at. at uh, that
3: is exactly where you met me. That's right.
1: Uh, Leaders for Light Summit at uh, Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship with Dr. Tony mm-hmm. Evans. Um, yeah, I was a good driver, by the way.
3: Yes, you but, were. <laughs> you came in faithfully. I appreciated it, so it was good. <laughs> yeah. So let's,
1: let's let's get into this um, this topic here. Uh, we, we I wanted to talk a little bit more about the uh, schooling issue with uh, so many South African children, and and here in the states there's a battle against public education, and you know uh, it's all about funding. I was a public educator, public school educator for. Twelve years at least. I you know I, I I forget how long I was there in the public schools, and of course I'm a product of public schools. Um, and the state legislatures across this country are, I, I say, they're neglecting uh, the, real, the real needs of public education. They're just throwing money at problems, and those problems are being resolved. But in in South Africa, as in many other countries in on, on the African continent, there is no such thing as a free public education. Correct.
3: So there are some very, very poor people as our kids are, who can get some of their basic educational needs paid for by the government at um a school that is challenged with no textbooks and very limited resources. But if you're going to go to a school where you can graduate and have an actual degree or a diploma those schools you have to pay for so what's average, um what's
1: what's the average cost of an education uh public of an education from grade school to high school?
3: Wow, those costs range so if you're it and it really depends if you're in a township school, those fees are very small, so in elementary school, you'll pay about let's see. 200 rands a year maybe. So that's in dollars at the moment, that will be about $20 or so, <clears throat> maybe $25 a year that you have to pay to go to school. And that's pretty much what the average township person could afford when they're trying to send their child to school.
1: You mean, to However, tell me. if
3: you want to go to a good school, um you're gonna to have to pay anywhere close to eight thousand Rands a year, which is closer to a thousand dollars. That's just an elementary school.
1: Wow. So oh, yes. basic education a basic education can cost as little as twenty five dollars American dollars a year.
3: Yes. Yes. But the wow. schooling that you receive isn't excellent but that's why they do it that way, so that what ends up happening are the poorest people end up being the least educated, Um, the middle-class people who can afford to go to a school where they're being actually taught. So the reason we started our learning center, and it's located in a township, and the reason why children fight and compete to get into it is because the type of education that we're giving them is excellent Um, if they get into our program. So everyone wants to get in, but we have very few spaces. So um, we hire our own teachers. Most of them have master's degrees, higher degrees. So they're able to teach the students in ways that Weren't previously available to them, um, but then after they go through elementary school, then they have to go to boarding school. Now that starts to cost quite a bit more. So most students in South Africa drop out of school after the eighth grade because the price of going to high school is ridiculous. Okay, uh,
1: so 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 the, the, they drop out at the eighth grade, and of course that. That um, increases their like uh, their uh, inability to be really productive citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm just implying this. Uh, let me ask you this question. Sure. So the need is there uh, for education. How can American churches, particularly Black American churches, African American churches, how can we? Uh, do better in in assisting and what can be done, what, uh, throw that out. Uh, Well, one thing
3: you could do is support me. We absolutely need support in what we're doing. Um, financially support us. We have lots of campaigns that churches can get involved with, with us. Second thing they could do is send help. Missionaries needed in America. And Within African Americans in particularly, Lorenzo, worldwide in foreign missions, full-time foreign missions, there are only, there are less than 300 African American missionaries. And that number is inflated. That's it. Out of all the African Americans, period, only 300 of us. Are serving outside of America on foreign soil in a missionary capacity.
1: And, and that so, says that, that says a lot because you you know there are a lot of well, I I speak for my denomination the, the African Methodist Episcopal Church we have a strong presence in um, on the continent of Africa with education and and we have a lot of schools there that we support um, I know in uh, Some areas in Zululand, Swaziland, we have a school that we operate, uh, both a secondary school and I think they're in the stages of opening up a college there. I'm not sure Oh, that's great. Yeah, uh, we have have some. We have a strong missionary presence in there, but how can we get other churches there? You know, there are a lot of these, uh, for example, Baptists, they have the Foreign Missions Board and Things of that nature, but you know, they're not really doing much. The most of the money stays at the church, and it really exactly. doesn't really go out to missions um, at a lot of the local churches. Uh, because
3: the, my dad always says
1: that at the denominational level, there may be funds that go out, but at the local level, uh, missions, particularly overseas missions, isn't important. Uh, so, what can we do to get the local church to get a little bit more? I Other think, than just, you know, telling them about it. And yeah. we got to make it quick because we're, we're down to about uh, six minutes, and uh, I wanted to get in one more thing if we can. We may okay. roll, run over time. And uh, if we run over time, guys, don't worry. You can always catch the Archive Verb, uh show. We may go off the air, but we'll still be uh, broadcasting. So if you listen to the Archive show, you're here. Uh, so...
3: So one of the things that I think local churches can do is have missionaries in to talk about the real need outside of America. Because my dad always has said this, while African Americans, we are still thinking of ourselves as as the mission field, we should be thinking of ourselves as the missionaries. And I think that we don't realize what's really going on outside of our neighborhood outside of our churches so getting information to of these churches and getting them to congregations so that they can see visually see and hear a person who has been there say this is what this is like we don't experience this kind of poverty and need in america it's not even close we all have running water We all have electricity in our homes. It is standard. That is not standard practice in South Africa. People have to make their homes from plank wood or scraps of metal that they find and newspaper for insulation. So that is a completely different life. It is a completely different type of poverty when you cannot afford to give your children shoes. Not that you can't afford to give your children name brand shoes, but you can't afford to give them shoes at all. That's different poverty. So the African-American church reaching out to the continent, South Africa and other countries on the continent, you have to do it personally. You can't throw money at a problem, and you can't throw money at a people. You have to personally go and touch and reach out to those people's lives because they'll mismanage the money. So, All right. That,
1: that's that's great. That's great. That, let, quickly, let's move on to this uh. We talked about the HIV AIDS rate in South Africa. Um uh, what uh, what impact can uh the teaching of sexual purity, uh abstinence or anything of that nature what what um what role does that play in preventing or in uh with preventing the, the the rise of those tolls but um what role does your organization play? What role can the black church here in America play to help get those words that, that word out?
3: Well, uh, um, our organization, what we do is we have an uh, abstinence program. It is very important for us to preach abstinence and to talk about sexual purity because in a country that is the highest, has the most AIDS um, incidents, even slipping one time, could mean life or death. I think in America, what we have to do as the black church is stop winking at sexual impurity and pretending like that's not a real problem or that's not something that we have to do. We can't allow the culture to dictate the truths of the word of God because those truths are in place for a reason. So um, we believe, and I believe personally, that true fulfillment sexual fulfillment is found inside of the marriage covenant and anything outside of that comes with consequences that very few people are willing to pay or maybe in america in particular comes with consequences that we've grown so hardened to that our lust over comes and overtakes our sense of self and our sense of calling and our sense of what the lord would really have us to do so um I completely believe in saving oneself for marriage. As a single woman myself, that's what I'm doing. And that's what I promote to all of my kids. Save yourself for marriage Um, and keep yourself clean. And I think that in America and in the church in America, that message needs to come back and that example needs to be modeled in our churches. So we need to turn off some of the secular music that encourages bad behavior. We need to turn off some of the television shows that um, would influence our children and ourselves to do things that would incite lust on the inside of us. And instead, we need to start to look to the Lord for our clues about how to live because he's the one who created us and he's the one who understands exactly what will make us happy and what will give us the most joy. He's already made a plan for that. And if we embrace that plan, then we will have a life of fulfillment. Um, I think I was talking to you, and I was saying certain areas of being sexually impure I don't struggle with because I haven't gone there. And so... I am stronger because I have followed God's way. It's not easy, it's not simple, but it's just the right way. And um, I believe if we followed that, then it could revolutionize America. I think it could revolutionize marriage and family, actually. We just follow God's word.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I think uh I think that's part of the problem both here in the States and, of course, overseas, where um, it's not so much as ignorance. We can't blame ignorance, especially here in the States. We we, we can't blame – we can't say that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's,
3: that, because does, that
1: doesn't work anymore. Uh, now,
3: even our pastors and leaders are accused of sexual impurity, and we wink at that. Like, that's okay.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's – Trust me, I know I've been a part of it,
3: <laughs> so you know we just have to we have to call ourselves up to a higher standard, and I don't believe in beating people when they're down. I don't think that once a person has found repentance, the church needs to um mock them and demonize them. I just think we have to require a standard. there needs to be the idea that there's a purity standard. Okay, that's quick. what we do in South Africa.
1: We're running that's out of time quick, give, give the uh, give the folks your your, uh, your information for. Uh, if you Goshen. would like
3: to find out more about us, you can go online. Our website is www.goshenintl.org. That's g o s h e n i n t l. dot o r g. You will find out everything there is about us. You can look at pictures. You can hear more information about me and why I became a missionary. Everything is on there. If you would like to donate, there's a donate button there. We would greatly appreciate anything you would have to give.
1: All right, great. Oh, by the way, Pastor Henry Joseph here in uh, Jackson told me to tell you hello. <laughs>
3: oh, I love so.
1: So, yeah, he's a oh, missionary. Wow. He's a, He has a heart for Africa, and he was and a pastor. he's
3: there now. Like, he's been in South Africa. He's He's got a church there very yeah. close to me. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah. Well, Nicole, appreciate you so much. I thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I think we had a wonderful discussion, which could have gone a little longer. Uh, yeah. I, I should have programmed it a little longer. But, hey, we'll get there. And uh, okay. we'll again, and um I want to encourage my listeners to go ahead and donate, and I know you'll be grateful.
3: <laughs> I will, I will be grateful, and I have a whole bunch of little kids who will be grateful too.
1: All right, uh, I All appreciate it. All right, you thank you so much. And, uh, and uh, we'll get you back on. That
3: would be great anytime. Tell
1: your family, friends, and yourself. Uh, I hope you're recovering and not. Yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> oh, but yeah, I